Father, we, we want to come before You right now and we want to, to admit that we all battle areas of unbelief in our hearts. And so this morning as we open up Your Word, we pray that You will expose our unbelief. We pray that You will attack it with Your truth and conquer it with Your infinite and unrelenting power. We pray that You will humble us before Your Word. That You will transform our thinking. That You will increase our appetite for You. Oh Lord, would You inflame our hearts for Your glorious Word and set us free and set us on fire for the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, would You instill within our hearts a conviction to lead from Your Word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. True spiritual leadership is influencing people for the glory of God and their own joy. That's what leadership is. True spiritual leadership is influencing people for the glory of God and their own joy. If you're a leader in the truest sense of the word, then what you're doing is influencing the people you're leading to see the glory of God, to see His beauty, to see His excellence, to see His grandeur, to see how awesome He is, and to run toward that awesomeness. That's what your job is as a leader. And then in seeing His glory and beholding His glory, what does it give them? It gives them joy. It gives them delight. It gives them pleasure. It gives them meaning. It gives them significance in life. And if you're leading in any other way or for any other reason than for people to see the glory of God and to experience joy in that, then you are falling short of what true leadership really is. Now if that's true, if it's true that true leadership is leading people toward the glory of God, toward their own personal joy, then we have to make an admission this morning, and that is, we have a crisis of leadership in our world. We have an absolute chaos of leadership in our world. Think of the two of the last three presidents of the United States that we have had. Two presidents ago, we have a president who abuses his authority and uses those who are underneath him, commits sexual immorality, and then lies to the American people about what he's done. Instead of directing people toward the glory of God and to have joy, he abuses and uses and lies. We currently have a president who looks at the Word of God and scoffs at it and says, whatever God says, I'm going to do the opposite. We have had governors in this state over the last, in the states of our nation who have abused their authority, used taxpayer dollars to commit sin, to commit sexual immorality, and just expected that nothing was going to happen. We have had corporate CEOs who steal millions of dollars. I read, I read a scathing article on one particular, uh, 
corporation that you all would be very familiar with about how these leaders knew that they were destroying the lives of thousands of people who lived in the community in which their business operated, but they acted like it didn't happen and they didn't even tell their employees that they were getting sick because of the work that they were doing. They hid it. Why? Because they were out for their own glory. They were out for their own comfort. They were out for their own success. They cared nothing for the glory of God and the joy of the people whom they lead. We can think about teachers who take a leadership role and instead of drawing people to the glory of God and the joy of their own students, they draw a paycheck every month, but they waste the opportunity to direct children toward God's glory. We can think of every facet of life, but in particular we think today of pastors and teachers and Sunday school leaders and deacons and elders. And the reality is, is that there are pastors today who are abusing their flock at this very moment. There are Sunday school teachers who are wasting the opportunity to direct their students toward the glory of God. There are deacons who are lining their pockets with the money that that people give for the glory and advancement of the kingdom of God. And so this is the deal. In the midst of this crisis of leadership, I want to assure you of one thing. God is raising up leaders. God is raising up leaders who will listen to His voice, who will obey His Word, who will speak His message, and who will advance the kingdom of God. The question today is, will you be that kind of leader? Listen, don't, don't buy into the lie Don't believe Satan's voice that wants to whisper in your ear and say, well, you're not a leader. I want to tell you, if you have influence, you're a leader. If you have influence, you're a leader. And so the question is, are you going to be the kind of leader who will listen to the voice of God, who will obey the Word of God, who will speak the message of God in order to advance the kingdom of God. Because if you're not, if you're not that kind of leader in this room today, I want to tell you something very scary. I want to tell you something very scary. If you're not leading people toward the glory of God, you know where you're leading them toward? Hell. Hell. And so there could not be a more serious message today. I want to give you four aspects of leadership from 1 Samuel chapter 3. Turn your Bibles if you're not already there. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Because the same problem that exists today in our world exists 3,000 years ago at Shiloh among the people of Israel. I want us to see four aspects of leadership that's going to call us to be leaders in our world and in the church of Jesus Christ. The first thing I want us to see is the chasm of leadership that exists among the people of Israel. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was... What was it, church? Rare. Rare. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent... What? Vision. There was no frequent vision. More than anything else, that second sentence there is an indictment on the spiritual leaders of Israel at that time. This is an indictment on Eli and his sons. 
the fact that the word of the Lord is rare and that there is no frequent vision. Now, some people who have studied this passage say that God just decided not to, uh, to speak to His people. That for whatever reason, God arbitrarily said, I'm just not going to speak to the people, I'm not going to give them my word, and I'm not going to give them my vision. But I believe that the context of 1 Samuel and then the, the preceding books of Judges tell us that that is absolutely wrong. Can you remember the book of Judges? There is one statement that is made at the end of that book that we must be very aware of. Everyone did what? What was right in their own eyes. Let me interpret that statement to you. They did not listen to the voice of God. They did not heed the voice of God. And then we come to 1 Samuel and we read about Hophni and Phinehas. And last week we looked at their abuse of leadership. And this is what we said. We said there was two aspects of their abuse. There was the root of the abuse and there was the fruit of the abuse. The the root of their abuse of leadership was this fact that they were worthless men and they did not know the Lord. They rejected everything that God had given to Him through His voice, through His Word. They said, we don't want to have anything to do with that. And because of that, what are they? They are gluttonous. They are selfish. They are, they are out for glory and honor. And they are wanting to strip it from them. They are sexually immoral. And they, they absolutely hate. <laughs> this, is so, this is so ironic. They are priests who hate the sacrifice and offering of God for sin. So, we want to remember Eli as well because of his neglect of leadership. Remember last week how we said um, Eli was guilty because he did not disciple his sons in the Word of God? We also said that he lacked the courage to confront them with the Word of God and he lacked the commitment to follow through with that kind of leadership. When we look at verse 1 right here in chapter 3 and we think about the fact that the Word of the Lord is rare, that it is scarce, that you can't even hardly find it, when we see that there's no frequent vision, which simply means there's no clear message from God, there's no clear voice from God, we have to understand it's because the leaders are not utilizing the Word of God that has been revealed and the people are following the leadership of the leaders and therefore there is a chasm there is a valley there there is a canyon of leadership that exists among Israel Redeemer Church I think one of the reasons that I was overwhelmed as we were singing earlier this morning is I was praying desperately that I would not be the kind of leader that produces a chasm of the Word of God. May there never be a chasm at Redeemer Church. May the Word be proclaimed. May the vision be set. And may the voice of God always be attended to. But this is, this is what's going on in Israel at this time. It's a chasm of leadership. The second thing I want you to see is the call of leadership. The call of leadership we see beginning in verse 2, but I want to remind us of the hope of leadership. So if you have your Bible, and it's open to 1 Samuel, I want you to look back at chapter 2. I want you to look back at chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, because this boy Samuel has been born by God's grace according to Hannah's request. 
And what we saw last week is that there are some sprinklings of hope, some hope for a leader who's going to be risen up and the voice of God will be heard yet again. And we saw it in verse 11. Look at verse 11. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah and the boy, that is Samuel, was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. That is, he was serving God at the temple. Look down at verse 18. Samuel was ministering before the Lord. A boy clothed with a linen ephod. Here he is, this tiny little guy. He might be five, six, seven years old at this time. And yet, here he is serving the Lord with gladness. Look down at verse 21. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived aboard three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. I mean, as he's developing, as he's growing in height, and as he's growing in maturity, God is with him. And then look down at verse 26 of chapter 2. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. I didn't point this out last week, but who else is said to grow in both stature and favor with the Lord and with man? Jesus is. Samuel is, in a sense, a prefiguring of the ultimate leader, Jesus Christ. And then if you look down at chapter 3, verse 1, and we see the very first part of the verse, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. What is the narrator doing here? The narrator is showing that there are flashes of light in the midst of a a constant darkness in Israel at Shiloh. And that what God is doing is He is raising up a leader who will then give the voice of God to the people of God. Guys, I want to tell you something. Leaders aren't just made just like all of a sudden. There there are four-year-olds and seven-year-olds and twelve-year-olds who are being trained and formed in this very moment to be the leaders that God is calling out to be His voice in this world and in this church. And I want to tell you parents and grandparents and church members, we need to look at the 55 children who come in and out of this church every single week as potential leaders, and we need to invest in them. We need to love them. We need to train them. And we teachers need to take our lessons seriously. And when we sit at tables, we need to take our conversations seriously because this is the generation who God is going to raise up to be the voice in a dark, dark, dark culture. Now let's look down at verse 2 and following, because we see the call of leadership. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark was. Guys, I just want us to observe the irony within this call that is about to happen. Notice that there, the, the, the word of the Lord was rare. There was no frequent vision. And right after the narrator says there was no frequent vision, it says that Eli barely has any vision. His eyesight is almost going out. That, that, that is intentional. He, he is saying that there is no spiritual vision in Israel because there's, there, there's no spiritual vision in Eli, basically. And then not only that, he's saying the lamp of God had not yet gone out. In other words, there's still hope. There's still hope. Look, look, the, the, the lamp was lit at night and it was to go all the way through the morning in the temple area. And, and, and so we can assume that this call is about to happen in the wee hours of the morning. It is before sunlight. 
And, and the irony here is that Samuel, a little boy, is in the temple while Eli is on his, in his own place somewhere outside the temple. What, what is that indicating? It is indicating that Samuel is closer to the Lord than the chief priest is. Right. Yeah. Just the irony within the call. But let's look at verse 4 and following. <clears throat> then the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am. And ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I didn't call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God. And he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. I think we want to observe a few things within this call. The first is we want to observe the readiness of the call by Samuel. How many times does he say, here I am? How many times is he ready to receive the call? Five times. Five times he says, here I am. Here is a young boy. His heart is prepared. He's serving the Lord. He does not yet know the Lord intimately. He does not have a, a communion with God that whereby he's heard the voice of God himself, but he's ready to serve. He's ready. He's ready to go. Here I am. He says, I, I, I just want to say this, that God uses people who have a disposition to serve Him. God uses people who have a disposition to serve Him. Samuel had that disposition. I also made the observation that God calls young people who are already in the service of the things of God. Parents, I just want to tell you this, that Time and time again, we saw Samuel serving the Lord in and around the temple. And when God's call came, he was ready to receive it. Correct? Okay. So parents, I want to tell you, you need to love and train 
and bless your children in a way that they serve and work in the church of Jesus Christ. Listen, your, your children don't need to be the kind of children who just kind of come in and out on Sundays and they have to sit for an hour and a half, but they play before and they play after. When they come on Wednesday nights, they come and they just play and they listen when they have to listen. No, your children need to be the kind of children who are trained and guided and directed to serve in and around the church of Jesus Christ because then they're getting an idea of what it means to be a part of the church. They're getting an idea of what it means to serve the Lord so that when the Lord calls them, there is something that they can, they can fit together. There's something they can fit together for what it is to serve the Lord. So there's the readiness of the call, but the thing that we can't get around is that no matter how old Samuel is here, whether he's 8 or 10 or 12, we don't know how exactly how old he is, but we observe the terror of the call of the Lord. Do we not see it? Is it not terrifying? I could not help but but remember my first experiences of receiving the call of the Lord and the message of the Lord, the Word of the Lord. I learned, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I sat down at the table and my parents taught me, God is great, God is good. (laughs) Let us thank Him for this food. I went to Sunday school and there was a Sunday school teacher who had a bracelet that was white and red and black. And, you know, oh, the white says that God is holy and the red is that God shed His blood for us and black is sin. And That was my introduction to the person of God. The revelation of the voice of God. Samuel, at the same age, is being told by God that he's going to obliterate his mentor, his disciple or Eli, and his sons. Can you imagine being a 10-year-old and hearing the voice of God and how terrifying that may be? This is is the call that that Samuel experiences as as a young child. But in this call... We're, we see the, the content, the, the character of Samuel himself. Look, look, down, look down at verse 15 and following, because not only do we see this call here, we see the challenge of leadership. So Samuel lay until morning. It doesn't say he slept until morning. It just says he, he laid until morning. <laughs> then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son? He said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Don't hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me, all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And Eli said, It is the Lord. Let Him do what seems good to Him. I call this the challenge of leadership that we see right here because the challenge of leadership is is the difficulty to obey the Word of the Lord when the Word of the Lord is very uncomfortable. I call it the challenge of leadership because... It is the challenge to speak the Word of the Lord when you are certain it will not be received in a very good way. I call it the challenge of leadership because you have to speak everything and not hide anything from the people that you lead. 
Listen, that is the problem in Israel at this time is that leaders are speaking nothing from the voice of God and hiding everything from the people of God. And now Samuel's job is to reverse that course and to speak everything that God reveals and hide nothing that he has revealed. And this is an intimidating situation. And yet Samuel proves the worth, the metal of his character by revealing to Eli the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, and the voice of the Lord. My, uh, my best friend when I was in my early 20s uh, was going through a difficult marriage, and he decided that um, the best decision that he was going to make was to leave his wife, leave his family. And he didn't consult uh, me. I'm not saying that I should have been consulted. I was in my early 20s, but he didn't consult people, but he just decided to pack a bag and to walk out the door and to leave. Uh, His wife was not acting like a, a Christian woman should act. But he made the decision to leave her. And I remember calling him on the phone. I remember reaching out to him, but I remember specifically traveling out into the middle of nowhere to this farmhouse that he was staying at and knocking on the door. And I remember how I was shaking. I remember how I was nervous because I knew that if my friend opened the door and I walked in, I was going to have to tell my best friend that this, there's a way to do things and there's a way not to do things and you're choosing the way that you should not be doing things. And I did that. And I was shaking in my boots when I did it and he did not listen and he carried on his way. But I have experienced something to the, the, the trembling of when you have to be the voice of the Lord. And I will tell you, it is not fun. It is not enjoyable. It is difficult. But I want to tell you, if you want to be a leader, if you want to be someone who influences people for the glory of God and their own joy, then you have to speak the voice of God no matter how uncomfortable it may be. Now, there are a few things that I want to say here. If you look look at what God is doing here, He is stripping the leadership from Eli and his household. And he's not only stripping the leadership, look at verse 14 again. He's saying, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Man, that is a massive statement that you and I should probably... Man, that's jaw-dropping. That is bone-chilling. That is scary. That's what God means when He says that when everybody hears it, their ears are going to tingle. When you and I hear the word tingle, I think sometimes we think of something funny or something that that we think of the word tickle. That's not true. The word tingle means literally... It means you put your hand over your mouth. It means you, you, if you ever received news that immediately causes your body to sit down or even to fall down, that's the kind of thing that God is saying. And what is God saying is God is saying that these men, specifically Hophni and Phineas, are apostates. They're apostates. What is an apostate? It is a deliberate and permanent rejection of the Lord and the provision He's made for sin. That's what apostasy is. It is a deliberate and permanent decision to reject the Lord and the provision He's made for sin. And that's exactly what they've done. 
They have rejected the sacrificial offerings that God had put in place that were a prefiguring of the ultimate sacrificial offering in Jesus Christ for sinners. And I just could not help but note, when you reject God's provision, you must accept God's punishment. And I want to tell you, if you're in this church building today, and you are not a Christian, you, you, you just have yet to come to a place where you want to say, I believe in the Lord Jesus. I trust in His work on my behalf. If you're not there, if you're living your own life, if you're in rebellion to Him, I will tell you, if you reject His provision of Jesus Christ, His Son, the Savior of the world, then you must accept His punishment of death, death, death forever. Don't do that today. Trust in the Lord. Believe in Him. Look to the cross and say, Christ is the perfect provision for my sin. His guilt offering is sufficient to save me, to rescue me, to forgive me of my iniquities. The challenge of leadership is when you hear a hard word from God, and by the grace of God, and by the fueling of the Holy Spirit, you stand tall, and you stand firm, and you speak the voice of the Lord, because you know that that's what's best. You know that that's what magnifies God, and it also brings joy to His people. And so, that's the challenge of leadership. Let's look finally at the content of leadership. The content of true spiritual leadership. We see it in verse 19 and following. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh. Church, would y'all say that phrase? By the word of the Lord. Would you say that? By the word of the Lord. The Lord revealed Himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Keep your eyes on the text right there. We want to make some observation here. First of all, it says that the Lord was with him. That means that the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel and the word was alive in Samuel. So the word of God reveals Himself to Samuel, and then that Word is inside of him. That's why the Lord was with him, because the Word was in him. And then look down. So the, the Lord let none of His words fall to the ground. That means He let none of Samuel's words fail. They accomplished exactly what they were intended to accomplish, just like God's words always do. And He says, from Dan to Beersheba, He was established. That means from the far north of where Israelite people lived, up north of the Sea of Galilee, and then as far south, down toward the the, the desert of the Negev, that, that everywhere in between, everyone knew that Samuel was established, that he was trustworthy, that he was faithful, that he was a reliable prophet of the Lord. I want to tell you, when a true man of God speaks the true word of God, everyone knows the reality of what they've heard. You ever been listening to the radio or watching television and you hear a preacher preach and you just didn't resonate with it? You, 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 you just are like, I, yeah, it's probably because that preacher wasn't preaching the Word of God. 
But have you also ever heard a preacher open up the Word and read it and explain it and apply it in such a way where you knew, in fact, that God had just spoken? What you just heard was a true prophet of the Lord. One who speaks the very words of God Himself. And that's exactly what Samuel was. He was a true prophet. He was called by God to speak the message of God primarily to the people of God that they might know Him. And so the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. Now because there was a chasm of leadership at at Israel and Shiloh specifically, there was a famine of the Word of God during this time. There was a famine in the land. But now that there is a leader in Samuel who will listen to God's Word, who will obey God's Word, who will speak God's Word, what does the Lord do? He reveals Himself again. He reveals Himself by the Word of the Lord. Church, can I just see your eyes for a moment? If you want to see God, if you want to know what the glory of God is really like, open up your Bible and read it. Samuel preached the Word of the Lord and people saw the glory of God and the revelation of God as they heard Him speak the truth of God's Word. Listen, do not underestimate what you have in your hands right here. Don't underestimate it. Don't devalue it. Don't look for something better, something more beautiful, something more glorious. There is nothing more glorious. I'm going to tell you what, when, when God reveals Himself, you know what He does? He speaks. Just read the Bible. Read from Genesis to Revelation, and you will see that when God reveals Himself, He speaks. And then, by His grace, He preserves that spoken word right here. God is revealing His character. God is revealing His work. God is revealing His love. God is revealing His redemption. God is revealing His plan of salvation. God is revealing the advancement of His kingdom and the ultimate culmination of it with the Lamb of God who comes to reign forever and ever right here in this book. He is speaking to us and He's telling us who He is in this book. Let us not devalue it. Let us not minimize it. And let us not look for something more. Now, in my preparation for, uh, for preaching on Sundays, I, I just jot a bunch of notes down a lot of times as I'm meditating on the Word. And one of the questions that I ask is, um, how does this text confront our unbelief? How does this text confront our unbelief? And church, I just want to give you a few of the answers that I, that I came up with here. The first is, is we don't truly believe that we can be used by God to do significant work for the kingdom of God. Now, some of you have more of a prophetic nature about you. Some of you have confidence because God has instilled confidence in you because He's used you in the past, because you believe Him in the present, and because you're confident about the future. But there are many of you, whether you're children who know the Lord, whether you're uh, someone who's known the Lord for 20 or 30 years, and you are just not confident that God will use you greatly as a leader in His kingdom. And I just want to say that God mightily used a little boy who simply said, here I am. 
If God can use a 10-year-old boy who simply said, here I am, how much more can He use you who possess the Spirit of God and who has the Word of God and is, co- it is connected to the people of God? God can use you mightily. I don't care whether you're a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, whether you're single or married. It does not matter. God can use you. Don't let Satan tell you any different. The, uh, the second way that I feel like this passage confronts our unbelief is that we don't believe robustly enough in the judgment of God. We don't believe robustly enough in the judgment of God. Because if we did, we would turn off the television until we spent time in the Word with our families. We don't believe enough in the judgment of God because we prioritize sports and triviality over training our children and training our people in the Word of God. We don't believe in the judgment of God enough because we will chase after the American dream and we will attend to the matters of church and the matters of the gospel when it's convenient. I want to tell you something. Hophni and Phinehas were no different. They were all about convenience. They were all about the world. They were all about trivialities. They were all about carnal flesh. And you know what it got them? It got them the judgment of God. It got them the punishment of God. Redeemer Church, let me tell you something. We preach grace here. We preach that God will forgive you of any sins. But if you neglect God, if you run from God, if you reject His provision, then there will come a day that there will be no provision for you. Turn to Christ today, trust Him, run to Him, and find in Him sweet satisfaction. And then I said, we don't believe God is actually speaking to us personally when we read the Bible. We think that the Bible is a historic book about historic figures that we can learn historic things. But the reality is, is that when you open up to 1 Samuel chapter 4 this week, God is saying, I've got something to say to you. I have revelation to give to you. I have a message for you to heed. I have leadership for you to give if you will hear my voice. So what we, what we see in this passage is the chasm of leadership, the call to leadership, the challenge of leadership, and the content of leadership. And I want to give you some instructions as to how to respond. The first thing that you need to do personally is you need to recognize that we're in a crisis of leadership. You need to recognize that we're in a crisis of leadership. Listen, I know how blessed we are at Redeemer Church because we have many leaders in this small congregation. Praise God. Praise God we have men and women who are capable in the Word of God, who love the Word of God and enjoy leading in the Word of God. There are churches our size who don't have one leader. We have a church this size and there are a plethora of leaders. Praise God for that. But this is what I want to tell you. I am not satisfied with what we have. If we've got 100 people at this church, I want 100 leaders. If we have 110 people in this church, I want 110 leaders who are willing to hear the voice of God, who are willing to obey the Word of God, who are willing to tell the message of God in order to advance the kingdom of God. And until we have that, none of us should be satisfied. The second thing I want us to do is to uh, look in the mirror. 
Look in the mirror to identify the next leader who will influence people for the glory of God and the joy of all people. This is the deal. If you read the same news stories that I read and you watch the same things on the television and, and, and you are looking on the internet at the different stories that are going on, you know there's a crisis of leadership. And the majority of people that we run in the circles with want change. Listen, everybody wants to change the world. Nobody wants to change themselves. What we need to do is look in the mirror and, and let the Word of God as, as a mirror tell us Who am I? Where do I need to change? In what ways do I need to become a leader for the glory of God Himself? And then we need to be willing to change by the power of the Holy Spirit. The third instruction I want to give to you is listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God. That's exactly what Samuel did. Listen, you listen to the voice of God by hearing sermons week in and week out. You listen to the voice of God by listening to preaching and singing on the radio or by CDs or MP3s or downloading it from the internet. You listen to the voice of God as you get in your kitchen or in your bedroom or wherever it may be with your Bible and you read the Scriptures page after page after page. You take a notebook and you have a pen and you listen to the voice of God as you meditate on the truths and principles that you hear and you let it marinate within your mind so that it soaks down into your your heart so that it becomes a part of you. That's how you listen to the voice of God. And then at that point, this is the the next instruction, obey the voice of the Lord. I'm I'm, going to be here to tell you first of all that I have read the Word of God and then gone out and just immediately disobeyed God. I've done that more times than I care to admit and probably that I even know. Why? Because I did not listen with ears that wanted to be changed. I did not listen with a heart that wanted to be conformed to the image of God's Son. And so this is why we have to listen, church, with with a, a teachable spirit, with a servant's attitude, with a humble heart that says, Lord, change me so that I can obey your voice. And so obey the Word of God as you hear it preached. Let me just tell you something. If you walk away from today's service and you say to yourself, well, I'm just not a leader. I hope that the leaders do a great job as they seek to influence other people. I will tell you, you are disobeying the Word of God. Don't do that. Don't do it. See yourself as a leader and influence people as you obey Him. That leads us to the next instruction. Speak the message of God. Speak the message of God. So you're going you're gonna to listen to the voice of God, you're going to obey the Word of God, and you're going to speak the message of God. Now, I thought, about, I thought about who in this church might be tempted to say, you know, that's great because Samuel was a, a male, and he was, a, he was a servant in the temple, and he was ultimately a prophet and a leader of Israel. That doesn't really apply to me. I can just see moms potentially saying that. And so I, I wrote down some things here about moms. Moms, if, if you want to be a leader for the glory of God and for the joy of all people, listen to sermons intently. 
Listen to God as you read the Bible. Listen as you study the Scriptures. Apply what you hear and read and study in your own life. And then speak to your kids what you're hearing and what you're applying. Speak to your husband what you're hearing and what you're applying. Speak to your friends as you converse with them on Facebook. Speak to your sister or your brothers. Speak to your neighbors. But constantly be giving the Word of God that is going inside of you, that is changing you, so that you can be a leader for the glory of God. Because let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. That old phrase that we should preach the gospel and use words when necessary is completely, that is a fallacy. You are not preaching the gospel unless you open up your mouth and declare it to the people who need it. So speak the message of God. And then the final instruction is to advance the kingdom of God. You know, There are two kingdoms in this world. There is God's kingdom, and then there is Satan's kingdom. And you and I have a decision every single day. Are we going to advance and be a part of the building of God's kingdom? Are we going to advance and be a part of Satan's kingdom? And you know what? To the degree that we listen to the voice of God to the degree that we obey the Word of God, to the degree that we speak the message of God, is the degree that we advance the kingdom of God. It's that simple. And so church, I want to call you to that today. Would you please bow your head? If you're willing, close your eyes. I want you to meditate on one truth. The worship team is about to come and lead us in worship. We're going to sing. We're going to give praise to God. But there is one truth that I want to remind you of, I want to thrill your heart with. And that is this. Samuel was a great prophet because he spoke the Word of God. And I think we can say praise the Lord for Samuel who was willing to be courageous, who was willing to step up to the challenge and be valiant and and to be committed to give the message of God no matter what the cost or the consequences that came. But folks, Samuel was a great prophet. Jesus Christ is the ultimate prophet. Let me tell you why he's the ultimate prophet. Because he didn't just speak the Word of God. He is the Word of God. He is the personification of all that God is and all that God does. The Apostle John said that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. The fact is, I have failed in my job as a leader. I have failed in my job as a leader, as a husband. I failed in my job as a leader, as a dad. I failed in my job as a leader, as a pastor. I failed in my job as a leader, as an evangelist. I failed in my job as a leader, as a friend. I failed. And so do I have to go the way of Hophni and Phinehas and Eli because I have failed? No. Because there is a sacrifice for me. 
There is atonement that's been made for me, and I am not rejecting that atonement. I am not rejecting the sacrifice of the Word of God personified, Jesus Christ. Because when He's on that cross, and as the great ultimate prophet is saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, He is applying His blood to Ryan Limbaugh. And my question to you today is, has He applied the blood to you? Are you covered? You don't have to admit to me that you've been a failure as a leader. I know you have. But I also know the one who hasn't. And I call you today as we sing, as we respond to this message of the Word of God, let the blood of Christ cover over you. Let the forgiveness of Christ that was purchased at the cross cover over you that you might know atonement, that you might know forgiveness, and that you might be empowered to speak as a voice for God in this lost world as you allow Jesus Christ to fill you. Would you please stand now as we respond to the Word of God. Church, I want to tell you that God is not playing games with you. God is serious. Listen, He is glorious. He is wonderful. He is loving. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is kind. He is compassionate. He is generous. God is wonderful. There is no one like Him. I want to tell you, He is not playing spiritual games. He is calling us to trust Him. To believe Him. And to be His leaders. I want to tell you, I want to give you the opportunity today to answer the call of leadership. I want to give you the opportunity to say, you know what? I have squandered a lot of my opportunities to lead for His glory. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of treating Christianity as it is is triviality. I want to put a stake in the ground today and I want to say, like Samuel, here I am, God. Let me lead. Ron Marino, where are you? Ron, Ron's one of our pastors. Ron, if you'll go back to the back right now and just stand at the doors. We're going to sing a couple more songs. And if you want to follow the voice of the Lord, if you want to say, I want to be a leader, I want to be a man, or I want to be a woman, I want to be a boy or a girl who is like Samuel who says, here I am, Lord, send me. If you want to be that kind of person, then respond today to the voice of the Lord and say, I'm not looking back, I'm only looking forward, and I want to be God's man or God's woman.